Hey, this is Markus Glovers. I'm a project management coach and trainer and facilitator. If you're uh, wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannuzzos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Great to have you here with us today with another episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Marcus Glovas, and he is a project management coach and trainer, helping project leaders and teams to future-proof their ways of delivering and managing projects, drive change in today's fast-paced, high-growth, and rapidly changing global environments, and become effective leaders and role models in their practice. Marcus, a very big welcome to you. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for having me. Very good. Hey, whereabouts are you in the world today? I'm uh, in Switzerland near Zurich. Mm. I'm originally from Germany, but uh, I live in Switzerland for yeah a little bit more than 10 years already. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful, yeah. And Germany, which part of Germany are you from? I'm from Berlin originally. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> and okay, we, we're going to talk more about um, you and uh, and what, what you've got to answer your question, uh, the questions that we have for our listeners. Tell me, is there anything else about your background you might want to share with, the, with our listeners? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you introduced myself already. So I'm, I'm yeah, a coach and a trainer. I help organizations and yeah, specifically project leaders to yeah, kind of navigate this changing world in project management specifically. And as you know, we deal with increasing uncertainty you now, and uh, there's a need for more resilience, especially in projects uh, due to the increasing amount of disruptions, right, that are happening. And also in project management, we're kind of, yeah, the rules are kind of changing. We're transitioning more evidence-driven and future-proof delivery practices. So that's where I help with. And that's uh, all based on some almost 30 years of international experience that I have in transformation projects. So I work mainly in technology and also highly data-driven environments and financial services. And I became really passionate about project management, uh, but as well, innovation in that space. Uh, so especially the leadership aspect in it, because you know, especially in projects, as I said, the rules are changing and that impacts behaviors and processes and mindset and culture. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's impacting a lot of those things like the behaviors and, and mindset. What would you say is one of the biggest things that project managers are having to contend with with the fast-paced changing world? What's one of the major things they're having to face? And how they're handling it? 
Well, I mean, the biggest thing is probably uncertainty, right? Uh, I mean, that's that's happening. So it becomes way more fuzzy, right? Uh, fuzzier than than before, right? To forecast and the projects. Obviously, we are looking at future events. We have to plan our future events, uh, and we have to kind of forecast or predict the future, right? Which becomes way more challenging because of yeah what we call the VUCA effect, right? You know, volatile, uh, uncertain, everything. So everything became more challenging. So, and that's exactly what I just briefly mentioned in terms of more evidenced or evidence-driven uh, project management. That's, that's kind of the trend where it goes to, or you can also call it like data-driven project management. So where data analytics and emerging technologies like AI are coming into the picture. And that's kind of what's currently gets, is being explored uh, to more detail and uh, how we can actually integrate this. But as I said, right, it has, there's some technology aspect, obviously, to implement in project management, but mainly it is about behaviors and culture. And we know that many dig digital transformations are happening and many actually are failing because of the cultural aspect. And that's, that's the same thing in project management. And, and that's where, where I'm trying to contribute uh, to make that actually or to address that. Yeah, cool. And, and for our listeners, so they understand, when you say the culture side, what do you mean? Why is it failing because of the culture? What happens? I mean, especially in project management, right? I mean, we have kind of established not only processes, right? There's these project management frameworks and guidelines, right? But also like the behaviors and habits, right? I mean, everything works like already for, for many years. And, and, and we have seen that, for example, with, with agile, the agile practices when they came in. Right. I mean, this is something that came in over 20 years ago. And I see organizations, they are still transitioning to agile because it's so challenging. But it's not challenging from the processes as such, right? It's, it's more challenging from actually the mindset. Uh, so getting people actually adopting this properly. And I have seen many teams who uh, just you know, were mandated uh, to to apply agile, but they weren't really bought into this, right? They were not really engaged and they, they just did it because they were told to do so and that failed completely because they were not really part of that, that bigger picture. And that's, that's the same thing when we talk about like more evidence-driven or data-driven practices in project management. It's it's a major change and it requires a buy-in, not only from from more the management levels, but, but basically everyone who is involved in projects and that where behaviors need to change like i mean it starts with the different artifacts or the documents uh, that we are exchanging in in projects and how to maintain those that's one thing to uh, which has some impact on behaviors but then also how truthful how transparent we are actually in projects right i mean uh, we can see that in many projects or generally actually in project management where people are yeah more like biased on one side, but also like politically driven in, in many ways. And the outcome is at the end that there are a lot of half-truths, right? A lot of uh, hidden or subtle lies, even if you want. And that, that has some impact as well on you know, these approaches uh, towards evidence-driven and future-proof data-driven techniques, right? So there are some cultural aspects that need to get addressed to make that really work, you know, in terms of data-drivenness in, in projects. 
fascinating what you're sharing with us because it's really amazing to see a lot of organizations that do go through this change and there's pushback and resistance yeah, and a lot of people are not buying into it right and it's the big thing it's one of the things that makes change successful is you communicate well there is transparency people buy into it and understand what's going on and, and it is a huge thing for sure hey marcus how did you get into leadership Yeah, so I have a strong technology background. So I started actually as a software developer and uh, then, yeah, worked through these different roles that are usually in place in project management. So like more the analyst roles or business analyst, technical analyst. And as I said, I, I was, I started off as a software development at some point became or was responsible for development team. So you can call it then like I got into some leadership role, but I wanted to change things because especially in project management and if, if uh, you follow how that actually developed over time, we have massive gaps in terms of project success rates, right? Uh, it's, it's for over 20 years, at least, at least since it's being recorded, you now those statistics on, on project success rates, it's, it's looking horrible, especially in technology projects. So there I thought I, I have some ideas, or at least I want to contribute to or have some impact to help to change this, right? And, and that's where I thought the project management pass would be the ideal way of doing this. And that's where I got into project management. And, and that meant also to assume yeah, leadership roles where then at, at the end I was or became responsible for uh, global teams uh, and projects. Yeah, that's how I got into leadership. Yeah, very good. Now, what kind of software were you sort of doing when you first started your career? What, what kind of software were you using to develop? I mean, I was both like off the shelf software. There were different standards of like ERP systems, right? And then later on, when I moved into financial services, there were other more custom applications in, in organizations, right? Which I, which I worked on, but it's more about the, the language, languages, right? That I used. And so I, I come from an old school. I come from a COBOL background, right? That's how I started. <laughs> so that's, that's how I started my career too. I was a COBOL programmer. And I used COBOL with Hogan. I don't know if you know Hogan, but we used, uh, that's what we were using for the financial services or banks here in New Zealand. And so I started my career using COBOL too. That's why I asked you that question. So it's, yeah, you're very good. So project management, when you're talking about it, a lot of people, the leadership there, when we're talking about project management leadership, people aren't reporting into their project management. A lot of it is a, a team has been brought together. There might be, you know, like a matrix team, dotted lines. So the word that comes to me for around project management and leadership, and that is the word influence. I think we have to be a lot more influential as a project manager to be able to actually help people come along on the, on the journey because they don't report into possibly the project manager at times because they're coming to work on that one project, one initiative, or maybe several, depending on what they're doing. And so I see that the word influence is really, really important. What's, what's your thoughts on that? No, I mean, certainly influence is, is definitely important. And that's exactly what I mentioned, uh, how I got into leadership. That was one of the important aspects, right? How to actually increase my influence, right? And I think, you know, it's, it's changing all in a way that, I mean, before, at least in like 20 years ago, maybe, right? Influence was kind of limited to really leadership roles, which you can basically identify in these hierarchies in organizations, right? You know, whoever had like some some management role was considered a leader and had then influence, right? That was kind of the association, right? But nowadays, it kind of opened up for basically everyone to be to assume kind of leadership potential or leadership roles, even if that title or that rank doesn't 
say so, right? And so that, that implies also having some influence. So it starts today where coming back to my background, like, like software development, right? There come like, uh, there are developers who can have a huge influence on projects and teams because of their skill set and because of their, their views, because of their, their general mindset, how they actually address things, right? That's how I see it, how it's actually changing in terms of influence, which is a good thing, obviously, because I think that influence should not be just reduced to this group of you know, upper management to have some influence, which actually most of the time they're even disconnected from the lower ranks and don't even know what's going what's going on on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Very good. Marcus, uh, another question for you, and that is, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Uh, that's an interesting question because I actually don't have any specific person in mind, uh, someone that I could name, nor do I think that something like a favorite leader or favorite leadership person exists or should exist, right? I mean, having a favorite leader, that, that kind of implies like uh, I want to or would want to imitate that person, right? Or adopt some characteristics of that person. So I, I, I can get inspired from different famous people, of course, uh, but I don't think I have like a favorite leader. You know, leadership, in my view, is something that everyone practices in a way, and it's very unique to one's personality. So like prominent leaders, like I don't know, like like Barack Obama or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos from Amazon, right? They're seen as great leaders generally, right? Because, but I think that they follow their unique and authentic style, and that's that's what makes them so prominent in terms of their leadership. And and that's why I rather would say that my favorite leader is myself. You know, I have my style. Of obviously, I I learn as as I go, right? But I have my precise, my unique style and my unique. Yeah, leadership at the end. Yeah, very good. All right, well, thank you for that. And leadership has changed the name of this show. That's the title. When I say the title or that statement, what does that mean for you? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this, I mean, traditionally, leaders are building on their experience and their skills, right, to drive them and inspire people uh, to, in the end, yeah, trigger performance and change, right? But also leaders... Um, they used to be linked uh, primarily to, as I said before, to the position or the role they have in the organization. So you kind of were able to just look at the organizational hierarchy and, and you knew exactly who should be considered a leader. And the rest were kind of like followers, right? And today's leadership structures, they, they are not that hierarchical anymore. You know, while it, of course, people at the top of the organization, they should have the characteristics of, of a leader and, and, you know, all these different characteristics that we are familiar with. But as I mentioned before, there are now leaders at almost any level. And even if they haven't been given that, that fancy title or rank. So it means one must to really distinguish leadership from authority. So you can be a leader without authority nowadays, right? But, you know, when it comes to how the characteristics of leadership have changed, so coming back to your question or how that's actually changing, I think we, we must also acknowledge that today's world became much more dynamic and more disruptive, definitely 
way more than ever before. And that trend will obviously continue. And those aspects actually have an impact on how leadership is being carried out. So there's, there's frequent change, right? The message changes constantly. And we have seen that, especially with COVID-19, right? With the pandemic. So what was valid yesterday that might become obsolete the next day, right? Uh, so it's, uh, so it's it's very fast, right? And it has an impact on decision-making and judgment, etc. So leaders have to become more flexible and may change directions much faster than, than, than they used to do that, right? And that's based obviously on changed conditions. But, and that uh, before might have been, has been seen as like, uh, or oh, that person has like constantly changing mind or doesn't know or it's inconsistent, et cetera. But that's actually the normal today. You know, everything is changing much faster. So it also means that leaders need to have a different relationship to failure in the end. So coming back to, you know, projects and we know that projects are failing a lot, right? But it also has some impact on, on leadership and uh, how actually leaders behave or their behaviors, right? We have to, as leaders, we have to admit also our mistakes and be more transparent and truthful because, again, there's a data-driven world out today, right? I mean, you find everything on the internet. Uh, you know, organizations, they cannot lie anymore. They cannot hide anything anymore because it's all transparent. It's all out there. It's the same for, for leaders and organizations. You have to be more transparent and truthful because otherwise, anyway, it gets discovered in a data-driven world. Obviously, not directly on social media, but, I mean, uh, that's a data-driven world also inside organizations. But primarily, it's it's also to inspire and lead by example, right? So when leadership is more open and also open to failure and being more transparent on, oh, I have done a mistake, I'm wrong here, and I learn actually from, from other people, then, then this inspires people also and adopt the same practices. So it, someone needs to allow to be challenged and as I said, to, to listen to people and listen to information and also external sources like data. That's, you know, that's a link to data analytics and AI, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're good points, very good points. And I like what you're saying about leaders needing to be more flexible, but then also having a different relationship with failure and being open to failure. I like that because, A, if they're more open to it, then they're going to take more risks and go out there, but also they're going to move faster rather than being procrastinating. But then they're not going to get things right. And then, of course, as you said, they need to be a little bit more transparent, own the, own the problem, get it sorted, and move on, which I think is really, really important. And, Marcus, I think you may have already answered the next question for us, but I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to it, which is, you know how we're talking about data, social, business, technology. That's all the rate of change is just happening and it's getting faster and faster with all those different areas in particular. Is there anything else you think that leaders might need to do to be successful in that fast-paced, ever-changing world? Yeah, I mean, information or data, right? They need to be more information savvy, right? Uh, I call it informed leadership. So it said they need to, leaders need to explore many different sources and acknowledge also the lim limitations that we have, right? Especially in project management, because knowledge in project management is basically is or used to be based on experience and skills and yeah the information that we uh, collect for decision making right and right now there come comes in like data analytics and further insights and ai and then maybe right uh, and that will challenge our predefined opinions, etc., And that is something where this informed leadership comes in, I think, because that needs to be acknowledged that we have limitations. We are biased as human beings. So we cannot just 
use data analytics just to confirm our opinions. Uh, we need to collaborate with analytics, right? And take those uh, insights into account. And that may mean that we are wrong and we need to correct our views. So that's what I call informed leadership. And then I think that goes along with, with another terminology, which is called adaptive leadership. So not really being afraid of failure and experiments and then adapt also to different conditions uh, rapidly and being more open to to change, right? Because, you know, there are many organizations that want to be like, you know, Spotify and Amazon and Google, and they all admire them. We all do, right? But, you know, few are just, I mean, applying real processes and the leadership that actually drives people to take more risks, right? And take make more experiments, right? You know, there's a lot of loose talk, but not really an action. So that's where I think adaptive leadership uh, comes in. And that I think you cannot avoid that anymore going forward. But I think one, just to coming back to your question, uh, there's one specific aspect that is also to be considered as a purpose, right? You need to really prioritize a purpose in everything you do. And I think about project management again, because people nowadays, they don't really just you know, do things what they're being told, right? You know, I mentioned before the, the agile practices, people want to know why, right? Why are we doing this, right? And they want to be part of it. Right? They want to contribute, and that should be even uh, they should be even empowered uh, to contribute and make a change on certain activities and certain goals. Right, but that is all under that roof of purpose. So as as long as people know what they're actually working on, what they're doing, and what is the overall purpose, then they will be much more engaged, and performance will go up, and yeah, you will have definitely a much different picture in, in projects, definitely for sure. Yeah, very cool. I like, I like it as well, the umbrella of purpose, that where people are under the umbrella. That's good. Yeah, very good. And the inspi- uh, informed leadership and adaptive leadership, nice. Now, you and I have been talking about leadership through the lens of leaders. Now let's take the lenses and change them and start talking about from the lens of an employee's perspective, right? So how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Yeah, I think it's especially in in the earlier days, right? You know, leaders were more like seen like in a control position, like controlling people. That definitely has changed, right? It's it's not not being seen anymore as as uh, managers. You know, but I think that's and and also the the difference between management and and leadership. Uh, so more like really like guiding people, and guiding does not mean really, yeah, uh, only inspiring them, but also give people opportunities to to work out the system that they're working in. So that comes in when it comes to process, et cetera. Now, what happens a lot, and I see that in project management as well, and that's probably also a limiting factor, is that there are many processes that are kind of limiting people. So they have some potential, but they are limited by the processes. And who is doing the processes? Who is actually putting them in place? That's usually uh, some other area or some senior management, right, who put that put them in place. So I think that today's expectation is that people are getting more involved, employees are getting more involved actually to to build those processes based on their culture, you know, because it's it's the same with culture. You're not just like mandating, we have this culture right now, right? The, the organizations will put like their vision statements, et cetera, which should reflect their culture, but actually the reality is something else, right? Uh, so the, the culture is driven by the people, their behavior is how they operate, right? You can obviously 
least influence that in a way. But eventually, it, it, it really relies on the people and how they actually get engaged and, and drive things. And that's where the culture comes into the picture. And the same thing is then with, with process and, and the system that's driven by the people or that should be driven by the people, let's put it this way. And yeah, I think like uh, there are a lot of problems that we have and that I see in projects is like the, the system that we are operating in are forcing people to, to operate in a certain way, but it's not really giving them the freedom or the opportunity to actually work out their, their full potential. And that comes also back to the leadership potential in, in everyone in the organization. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're seeing that a lot happening where people are having more of an opinion or they want to be involved yeah. more. And when they are, that's when you get the buy-in more, right? That's when people want to buy into it more. So it's it's smart for a leader to step back and allow them to do that. But um, yeah, sometimes you get people from another area within the business putting processes in place and it restrains people. It may not be the smartest thing to do. And um, it's really interesting to see how that happens. So Marcus, I'm going to get you to get your crystal ball out now and we're going to talk about the future. And uh, where do you see leadership being in five years? What do you think? Yeah, I think that the uh, the trend definitely continues in terms of like disruption and, and dynamics in today's business world. And I think, yeah, that, that definitely like technology and, and data that plays a much bigger role in the future than it is today. And leaders need to consider this, right? Especially, you know, I, I actually in project management, I see it a lot, like, you know, when it comes to decision making processes, right? There are a lot of leaders who kind of reject data and information and analytics and this kind of things or technology altogether. I think, oh, I have 30 years of experience. So, uh, you know, who is data uh, or technology telling me what to do here, right? That's, that's not going to happen, right? So they are kind of the old-fashioned leaders, but that's not going to work anymore in the future. On the other hand, it's also not going to work that there come more, probably the more younger generation who come in and say data is a gold source, right? And and uh, it's, a, it's a single source of truth, kind of, right? And uh, everything else, you know, forget experience, et cetera, and intuition, forget this, right? It's all about data and technology. That's also wrong. You have to find the balance. So I think over the next five years, we will see kind of where this kind of ba is balancing out and kind of we find this this uh, sweet spot kind of where we have this leadership and behavior in a way that takes both sides into consideration. So the experience and the intuition and gut feeling even, right, which is really important. Even we have all kinds of stuff in place like data and technology and AI, etc. But we have to find the balance. So it's like a hybrid between the two. And I think over the next five years, we will see that, that it's it's kind of adjusting itself. Today, we are still kind of as I said, uh, like this conflict between these different groups and kind of little war between, no, I'm better than you. But I think that will shift and will adjust over the next five years. Yeah, power to the data. Let's get that power <laughs> and to help things out for sure, yeah. Hey, Marcus, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Is there a LinkedIn link or a, a website that they can go to? Yeah, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, definitely uh, happy to connect. Please reach out. Uh, I have also a website, uh, marcusglovas.com. We can read more about uh, what I'm doing. But yeah, the easiest way is probably to, to look me up on LinkedIn and I'm happy to connect. Yeah, we'll put the, your LinkedIn link into the show notes so the listeners can see it. So once again, thank you for joining me on today's episode. It's been great to have you here. Thank you, Dennis. 
hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 